Tangent Tank, Solving the Housing Crisis, a Tangent Original Series. This Tangent Tank dives into the world of prop tech companies tackling the housing affordability and supply crisis. Join our panel of judges, Jeffrey Berman, partner at Camber Creek, Zach Ahrens, co-founder at Metaprop, and prop tech entrepreneur Edward Cohen, as we ask the tough questions and challenge each founder and evaluate their startups based on innovation, potential impact, and scalability. You'll listen firsthand from the founders themselves as they share their stories of determination and resilience. 1.8 billion people around the world do not have adequate housing, and 150 million more are living in homelessness. Housing affordability reached an all-time historic low in the US as over 10 million renters spend over 50% of their income on housing. Amidst these challenges, there is hope. Across the world, we're seeking startups that leverage technology and talent to tackle this crisis head-on, creating groundbreaking solutions that increase the supply of housing, lower housing costs, and improve access to housing for all. If you are a passionate founder, driven to make a positive change in our cities by improving housing affordability and accessibility, please apply by emailing your company's deck or video to tangentcommunity at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Tangent. I'm Edward Cohen. Hey there, it's Jeffrey Berman. Welcome to another awesome episode of Tangent. Today on Tangent, we have Nick Narodny, founder and CEO at Alto the other way to buy a home. Hi, Nick. Where does this podcast find you? I'm here in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Great to meet you guys. Let's jump right into it. Alto, you're not a traditional agent. You don't follow a traditional home buying selling process and you don't have a traditional fees. What is Alto? Yeah, so we've built an online alternative to the traditional agent. Our vision is to, to create the best agent in the country, put it in everyone's pocket and do it for a fraction of the fees that it costs to to buy and sell a home today. Uh, so tell us what's wrong with the way we've been buying and selling homes for decades, in some cases, centuries. Oh man, yeah, I, I think it is over a century now. There's a number of things. I would say the top three, which I think we're going to get into some of the lawsuits are, is really expensive. There's a lot of friction to buy or sell, and it's just really inconsistent of an experience, right? You you never really know what you're going to get. Uh, and it, it costs the same no matter what right now. So. Uh, there's no no real adjustment for service. Interesting. So what does Alto do and how does it fix this antiquated process? And so we've built a, a new experience that's focused on a couple of things for the consumer. Number one uh, is more personalized guidance. Uh, how do we reduce friction with fewer obstacles so that you can get all the information on a home that an agent would normally get? You can make an offer entirely online. Um, and then more advantage with their purchase. So we, we let you take the commission that would normally go to an agent and you can actually use most of that to make a higher offer. Um, most people use it to make a higher offer. Some people will will use it to pay down rate on their loans or things like that. Um, and then we also have a team that's working on servicing more inventory, right? Um, and so really anything that a top, top agent would do, think an agent doing 50, $100 million a year, anything that they would do, we digitize uh, and bring it into an application. You see, now, You've been at this for a while. You didn't start yesterday. I want you to take us back to the origins of Alto. Uh, what problems did you, did you detect early on uh, that you decide to tackle? Yeah, so my mother dropped out of college when she was 19 years old and became a real estate agent. And she's now 69. Um, and so she's been a real estate agent for 50 years. Um, and full-time agent, never done anything else. And so I grew up around this. My dad was also an agent. 
when I was in middle school, I started making websites for agents, um, bringing them online in the late 90s. My my last venture back startup was an online learning company focused on agents. It was our first uh, big corporate client was actually um, what is now called Anywhere. Um, and so we would go to their New Jersey office and we would implement uh, training for agents at Better Homes and Gardens and, and Cobalt Banker. Um, and we eventually sold that, co- that company to an online training uh, public company called Cornerstone. And during that process, uh, I was fortunate enough to buy my first home. Uh, and my mom was my agent. And I was like, hold on, this is still the way this works? <laughs> like, how has this not changed, right? You've got Zillow, you've got DocuSign, but the process when you actually need to buy a home, you have to call an agent. And most consumers don't really know, like, Okay, so I just go ask a friend, I go on Yelp, like, what do I do? What is quality? When, like, people feel bad about asking for their time, the whole the whole way it works is just broken. And it's not great for agents either. I mean, you know, on call 24-7, working with a wide range of clients. And so we set out to fix this. We launched our first product in 2019. Um, it was a private marketplace where agents could direct list off-market listings to consumers. So how do we shine a light on and open up off-market listings to consumers and empower agents to not be forced to use the MLS? Okay. Uh, that, Yeah. So that was the first product we built. I can keep mm-hmm. going if it's helpful. Yeah. No. So you started building tools for agents, started to get traction, uh, but then you got shut down by the NRA and users got fined. Tell us more about that. Not the NRA. It wasn't the rifle people. It was the NAR. <laughs> And they are, excuse me, the three letters. I mean, any any acronym. NRA really, would be I, much scarier. I, I put the, I wrote that acronym maybe seven times today, but uh, uh, maybe any three, any combination of those three letters in an think, acronym will yield uh, some uh, scariness. <laughs> some some scariness. The yeah. NAR, the yeah. National Associ- Association of Realtors. You can just uh, call it NAR. NAR. Yes. NAR. Yes. NAR. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we, uh, uh, things were going really well. Uh, we had launched San Francisco, and it just so happened that the national conference for all of the CEOs of every MLS was in San Francisco that year. And uh, th- they um, voted on and passed a new rule called clear cooperation. We know that we were discussed as a part of that. And so, um, the next week, we were told that our users would start to get fined $5,000 for using Ulto because it was against the new MLS rules um, where you had to put a home. Once you sign a listing agreement, you have to put on the MLS. If you put it anywhere else, you will get fined. And I think the third offense, you lose access to the MLS. So this was a NAR thing, not, this wasn't law. So in, in other words, a broker, I just want to make sure people understand. It yep. was essentially, I, I don't want to equate this with the mafia, but it was essentially saying like, hey, you don't use our system for everything. You can't use our system for anything. That's correct. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it essentially halts our expansion in, in its tracks because our users were agents. And there's two options as an early stage startup. Uh, you can you can try the legal route or you can try to out innovate. And I don't think litigation is a good loss, a good strategy for company that is not profitable at the time. And so uh, we decided to try and out innovate. And it took us a while um, to really figure out how to gain that trust from consumers. Um, but really earlier this year is when things started to really open up for us, where we took a lot of what we learned of what consumers want and offered it to them directly. And we hired our own team of top agents to operate on call and on demand inside of the application. I mean, I know in the moment, probably in the trenches, it didn't feel like that. Uh, and also talk about incumbents stifling innovation, pulling the ladder from above, but you you kept going, you persevered with conviction, focused on your mission, on your users. 
I mean, you clearly struck a nerve. If you know the NAR is not only the largest uh, trade organization in in the U.S., um, but also they uh, let me get this right. The NAR is America's largest trade association, represents 1.5 <laughs> million members, mm-hmm. but they're also the largest lobbying spender in the United States, more than doubling what Facebook and Amazon spend on lobbying the U.S. government combined. That's correct. The fees go yep. to that and not innovation. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was on NAR, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, uh, let's focus on Alto <laughs> for now. We have, we have a lot of material for the NAR lawsuits. Um, so... Um, who is Alto for? What markets you're covering? What type of homes or home prices do you cover? Uh, yeah, so we are built for uh, what we call the the modern home buyer. Okay, so the people most comfortable using Alto right now have typically made an offer before. Doesn't mean they bought a house before, but they have some comfort with the process, and then they can actually use Alto to streamline things and make their offers more competitive. Um, and we are serving, uh, the San Francisco Bay area, the six counties in the Bay area and all around Los Angeles and the Inland empire right now. And, uh, next year we'll be expanding from there. How easy is to replicate or scale your model across different states or jurisdictions? I mean, I would say hundreds of thousands of people have had the idea of replacing what the agent does. Um, and when you get into the nuance of it, it is very, very difficult to meet consumers where they are, serve them in a premium way without just dropping the bottom and creating a race to the bottom, right? And so um, at its surface, I think it's, it's replicatable. I think the the emotion behind real estate that we know about, that everyone on this call knows about makes it much, much harder um, because that nuance of emotion and embedding that into software is really difficult. Well, that's some nuance here uh, because we are talking after all about most people's largest ever purchase or most yep. people's largest ever sale, uh, if not the biggest financial decision of their lives, uh, maybe besides having kids. Um, yeah. What do you say You know about the argument that if sellers list their homes with brokers that they have a higher likelihood of selling their home for, for a higher price or for a market rate price than if they listed themselves or if they use a, a more uh, automated service. Yeah. I mean, the, the market makes the price, right? Like right now that market isn't the MLS, no matter how you slice it. Um, we have tools that let you test the waters and things like that, that actually help you get more insight into pricing, um, which, you know, it is important what that price is. You go to market. Um, I, I think when you're building a a software company, you you shouldn't build it for everyone. Um, and so uh, I, I, I challenge the argument that you would be making more money if you use a traditional broker, right? Maybe because they'll stage and you know maybe you fix up your kitchen for a hundred grand, so then you make a hundred grand more. But net, that's not more money, <laughs> um, right? And so, uh, but I but I do think it, it, it it's going to be more time before everyone is comfortable using their phone. To sell their home. The challenge is distribution, right? And this is why the MLS had such a grip and MLSs around the country have such a grip on on the market and why trade associations like NAR have mm-hmm. that type of grip. Because if I want to sell my apartment, which I'm trying to do right now in West Palm Beach, mm-hmm. and I do a for sale by owner where I'm not like something that isn't syndicated to the MLS, no one's going to see it. And so the onus is on me then to push that out to wherever I can, try to make a viral ticking talk video or snapping chat video or, or, or whatnot, which I'm way too old to do. Um, and then for the record, I do not do either ticking talk or snapping chats. Uh, the, <laughs> you should, the, you should call him that right now. 
I should definitely not, and I think they should be banned. But that I mean, notwithstanding, I there is a utility there for the distribution, and then with the brokers that referral network, it's like you you wonder why a, a broker who's 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 experiencing tremendous success will go from an Elliman to a Corcoran or a Corcoran to a Surhan or a Surhan to where a company, whatever, wherever it is. Like, why are they? Why are they going? Part of it is what the split is going to look like. Part of it is the distribution, and part of it is the referral network. And so there, there are a bunch of pieces here that also have to be weighed. So what I'm curious about is how you solve for for that piece. Where I mean, I, I, I have a lot of questions. I'd love to know like what your traction is. What kind of revenue are you guys generating at this point, and how many listings are you are you typically? Uh, do you typically have? I know. I know. At this time period, obviously, we're we're in a uh, a, a rather fallow period where I think I've, I heard some stat that less homes are going to be on the market in, this year than in 08, which was which I think was the the lowest, something absurd like that. And then, how many brokers do you have? I, I'd love to get to the meat of the business and understand the the traction you guys are having. Yeah, I think I think to start, remember our vision is to create the best agent in the world and put it in your pocket. Okay, so what you just described is uh, is different from that vision. And so, if you want to sell, we can bring your home to the MLS. We can we can help you ride on the rails of those distribution because the goal is that you want to sell your money for the most money possible. But we just don't think you should be paying the same fees. But the focus of our business is actually on the buy side. That is where we spend most of our time. And so, the sellers that we have are actually buyers that are needing to kind of trade out of their home, right? Um, and so. Most of what I'm going to be talking about is the buy side. With regard to revenue, we're a private company. We're venture backed by Sequoia Capital, so I'm not comfortable sharing revenue mm-hmm. numbers. Um, but in terms of team, we're just under 40 people. Uh, of that team, uh, 11 are licensees that are operating as centralized agents on call. That team has sold over a billion dollars of real estate. Now, that's not all from Alto, it's also previously, but we've done a really good job, I think, in terms of one of our advantages, we actually attract attract really good agents. We're not attracting newbies that are just entering the business because so much of the value prop is that you're using the software, you're using this technology, you're getting all the tools that are better than the top agent, but you also have that backstop of advice that's available whenever you want it. Um, so let's talk about uh, how does Alto make money? Yeah, so right now, the, one of the biggest problems that you're going to talk about in the lawsuits is like buyers don't understand that they pay anything. So 75% of buyers don't realize that they pay. And so as a business, how do you, as a, as a, a, a tech company, how do you charge people for something that they think is free from everyone else? Okay. Right. So what we do is we, in today's world, we, uh, we take that buy side commission and we give most of it back to the consumer in the form of a commission refund. And then we take a, a, a variety that usually falls around 1%, um, but it depends on the home value. It's not exact. Um, mm-hmm. And we, once these commission lawsuits go through, which we think are going to happen next year, which we'll get into, um, we're actually totally changing that and the way consumers will pay us directly. And uh, so much of our business is just how do we bring it online to make it much more efficient so we can still build a profitable business while offering great service? Because the traditional agent model and doing all these tours and, you know, servicing all these clients one to one, it's very, very hard to make money unless you have that high split. So when you buy a home, Alto collects around 1%, around 1% of the purchase from the, price. From the, correct. From the commission pool. From the commission pool. Okay. No hidden fees or costs to use Alto other than that. Nope. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, certainly a lot, you know, more more transparent. Um, in that case, could someone make the argument that 
I mean, and and it's okay. You gotta you gotta eat. You gotta make money, and you gotta also fund and grow this venture back business. Could could someone make the argument that Alto's incentives are aligned in a way that a higher price of the home does yield a higher fee to be collected? Yeah, one hundred percent. And right now we're we're actively testing every model you can imagine. And again, the problem comes back to the way commissions are structured and the misinformation in the industry where people don't understand that they pay anything. And so how do I tell you that here's a flat fee when you buy with Alto and you're like, okay, well, I'm not paying my agent anything. I'm going to go with this agent over here. And I think that's that's the complication that we're seeing in the industry. Nothing would make me happier than for buy side commissions to go away and have buy, have it be totally uncoupled and have buyers pay directly because we're building a service people actually want to pay for. I mean, as a former ed tech entrepreneur yourself, can't imagine someone better suited to uh, you know, bring this education uh, to the market for, for consumers and brokers. Yeah. In the heart of Silicon Valley, there's an organization making waves in helping solve the housing crisis, Housing Trust Silicon Valley. At Housing Trust, they provide developer financing, homeownership assistance, and lender and broker resources to help create more equitable and affordable communities. Established over 20 years ago by local businesses, community leaders, and affordable housing activists, Housing Trust Silicon Valley uses transformative housing finance and public and private partnerships to create a strong, affordable housing market. From those experiencing homelessness to developers, renters, and first-time home buyers, Housing Trust SV is dedicated to ensuring that every neighbor has access to safe, stable, and affordable housing. Housing Trust SV is making a difference in the 14 counties of the Greater Bay Area and Sacramento. These are communities with a common need, more affordable housing and the capital to support its development. Join the Housing Trust SV in making a lasting impact on our communities. Housing Trust Silicon Valley, where innovation meets compassion. Learn more at housingtrustsv.org. Now, let's get spicy up in here. NAR lawsuit and its ramifications for the industry. I mean, seismic industry shift in residential real estate and very likely across other sectors of the economy. So this is where we are. Uh, Last month, a Missouri jury found the two large real estate brokers, Keller Williams and Home Services of America, colluded to artificially inflate and fix their own commissions. And as a result, NAR was ordered to pay uh, $1.8 billion in damages to home sellers. Um, the rule forces, quote unquote, forces home sellers to pay a cost that in a competitive market would be paid by the buyer. Uh, let's unpack this first. Uh, we've mentioned them multiple times, but Nick, what, what's the what's NAR, uh, and and how have they been involved colluding to inflate broker commissions? Yeah, so it's not just that the whole industry is colluding to inflate broker commissions. Uh, the NAR is the yeah the National Association of Realtors, largest largest lobbying group in the country. Um, it originally started as a new tier of real estate agent, right? So this, you're you're a high-end realtor, you go through additional training, and you're now, you're a realtor, right? Um, and who actually knows how you pronounce that word? But what it's become is that everyone is, right? I think it's something like 95% of agents are actually members of NAR. And the reason for that is because they have this thing called the MLS, which is, you know, most typically a nonprofit arm of your local association. And if you want access to that MLS, you have to join. Um, and so they uh, they have created a monopoly on uh, you know, the real estate marketplace and agents join and then have to adopt, adapt all of their rules. 
right? Um, and the rule we're talking about here um, has to do with uh, cooperative compensation or the seller paying the commission to the buyer's agent, right? Um, that's not all the lawsuits are about that, but most of them are getting are getting at that. I mean, the snowball of ripple effects are already unraveling. Another landmark lawsuit over broker commissions is headed to trial in Chicago early next year and could pose damages of up to $40 billion. Uh, another lawsuit has also been filed by a California resident and named NAR as a defendant, along with Remax, Compass, Keller Williams, EXP, and Anywhere Real Estate. Um, yeah, the similar along the same lines that California sued lodges uh, familiar allegations of anti-competitive conduct against the industry group. I mean, this is a who's who, right? Uh, Keller Williams, again, being one of the, if not the largest broker in the country, not totally unexpected to see them featured there. Uh, I'm surprised to see Compass there. Uh, allegedly a tech-enabled brokerage who had raised uh, over $1.5 billion before going public. Uh, they were supposed to come and revolutionize brokerage. Yeah, I mean, listen, Compass has, I think, 30% of the San Francisco market. So it's it's not that surprising to be involved just because they have such high surface area. They've acquired a lot of brokerages in, in the Bay Area. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of the conversation around these lawsuits has been around the industry around the industry change, which is all valid, but I think it's worth going back real quick to like why this happened from consumers' mind, because consumers yes. are frustrated. Like that's that's where this all comes from. People are like, this is enough already. And when you have the combination of consumers and the US government saying enough already, <laughs> something's gonna change, right? And so consumers are frustrated in my mind for three reasons, right? Number one, we are talking about a lot of money. In San Francisco, the average commission is $65,000 to sell your home. On average, that's 25% of your equity. For a lot of people, that's all of their equity. So just to trade out of something, you have to give away your equity. That is crazy. 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 Right? And, you know, I think this can just stop a lot of families from moving altogether. And so it creates like this added gunk in the system. I think the second thing is what I already mentioned, which is misinformation about commissions. 75% of buyers don't realize they're paying a commission. Right. And they get to the closing table and you see tens of thousands of dollars going to this person that told you, you know, you're not paying me. Well, sure. Technically the seller's broker is funding it, but the buyer's paying a million dollars and some of that goes to your agent. It's like, you know, just, it can't be a technicality. And so that, that misinformation you see that and people are pissed. Um, and so the third is that the industry is structured to keep commissions high, right? And so that's where these lawsuits are pointing the finger at. You've got price fixing, you've got a conspiracy to keep prices high amongst the brokerages and the National Association of Realtors. And so consumers are realizing that and they're now forming together and speaking up. Yeah, I wonder who inspired who, the cartels uh, inspired the NAR or NAR inspired the cartels. Anyway, uh, yeah, so how long have they been getting away, away with this? Well, I mean, if you look back, I think we did some math. Our commission has barely changed. It's like 6% and now it's, I think, averaging at like 5.6%. It's actually gone up in the past two years. Um, and so inflation adjusted, I think it's three to five times higher, right? So you can't just say like, oh, this is inflation. It's three to five times higher. And on top of that, you have technology, which does help. It does make the process easier. You're not, you don't have this big book of MLS listings that are now online. You don't have to go to people's houses for the signatures. You can now DocuSign. And so, you know, in terms of how this all started, it originally started with this formation of the MLS, with the formation of cooperating compensation so that agents knew that at a 
common structure for how they got to work together. And it's ballooned since there. I, you know, we call the industry daunting by design, right? I, I wouldn't say there's one mastermind designer. It's just a lot of things that have built on top of each other over over many years. I want to get your input, Jeff, here uh, in terms of where do you think opportunities will arise, you know, for, for prop tech companies in particular. Uh, the, this kind of seismic shift don't happen every day, don't happen every decade. Yeah, I I want to be careful here. We, we also have to remember that we live in an extraordinarily litigious country and one where like I, I feel like what's happening in California, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one person that's bringing the, uh, the, the lawsuit and it has the, it has the potential reverberations are so wildly out of scale to what the supposed damages are. It's like, it, it, it doesn't like make $50, any $50, sense. $50,000. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you have, by the way, you have this happening all over the country with, uh, unfortunately in, in blue states where OAGs are going after companies like we're in a really funky time here. And yep. I, and so I, when you have this, what I'll call regulatory, legislative, legal risk aspect, I don't think it makes sense to, to try and, and prognosticate where the opportunity is. I think companies like Nick's that are looking at changing models are interesting. I would say that there's a potential for, like, I think if I may be so bold, Nick, that there, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, uh, okay. that the model moving the money around potentially becomes what I would consider a race to the bottom, right? Like, how do you make okay. this process the cheapest? Where I don't think that's actually the future of the real estate brokerage industry. I happen to be one of those people that don't believe the technology is going to get rid of brokers, period. I think it's going to be very similar to what happened with uh, arbitrators, where there used to be quite a few. Now there aren't that many because programming software ate the finance industry, but there's still a lot of people in the finance in industry. So people get redistributed as, as far as where and how they're going to work in this real estate services business. But with brokerage specifically, my personal opinion is that the winners are going to be the ones that embrace the model of selling where the consumer is. And I think that's one of the things that I find interesting about your model, which is you said it best. We're holding up the phone. You said it's here, right? Like we all live on our phones. So if you can bring the real estate market, the real estate agent into your phone and you can figure out the distribution, that's the key and get those eyeballs and create that content that makes people want to surf your site or follow your agents or your program and your listings, that's to me, the opportunity set regardless of what happens on the regulatory, legislative and legal side. That makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, I also think it's worth noting how the role of the broker has evolved throughout time. Uh, I mean, it used to be that people would just find a home, call potential buyer, close a deal, and then they don't have to do anything else. Now, brokers have become a lot savvier. They've become a lot more knowledgeable in their market. They've become a lot more uh, sophisticated and focused in, in particular uh, home types, in particular uh, neighborhoods that I think they do provide value. And again, we're talking about people's largest transaction in their lifetime, um, which I don't know if this is going to be a human condition that will always want to trust a human. And again, Nick uh, and Alto do have humans uh, that are experts uh, working on this, helping uh, home buyers, home sellers. Um, but yeah, I just I just wonder 
and, and like Jeff said, I think uh, we always need that human element uh, involved. Uh, maybe less friction. Less friction is definitely needed uh, in the transaction. But yeah, I also think personally that becoming a broker, getting a broker's license is, is way too easy and it sets the wrong expectations for, for many entering the industry. Uh, I do think there needs to be a higher barrier of entry uh, to make it, you know, to make it more uh, more efficient. I mean, if you, I, I agree with, with what Jeff said. People talk about agents as a, a motto race. The, there is such a wide variety of real oh estate God, agents yes. in America that just like, just like stock traders uh, back in the day that it, it's not even it's not even possible to call them one thing and so I, I think what we're excited about is how do we create a digital first experience that can actually accelerate a pool of agents and give them to consumers in a way that's like in their pocket but i don't i mean my mom and brother are top agents their business I don't know how how at risk it is because the service that they provide to their clients is something that that we're just not going to do, right? Because it requires so much in-person hand-holding for very, very high-end properties, right? And so, you know, I just think it's a little bit unfair to group agents in a bucket. And I wish, I wish that there was a better way to... to um, to separate folks from the pack, right? Because you've got brokers, which that's not really a great line. That's just two years of experience plus a test. And you've got NAR, which we just talked about. That is not a good line. And so I, I do think you're going to start to see um, uh, kind of the identity of the agent change uh, throughout all of this. Absolutely. Um, with all due respect to your uh, dear mother, uh, Nick, did your mother collude with NAR to when, they, when she sold the home <laughs> to you? Be honest. Come on. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I recommend you know, honestly, not even answering that question. That's. <laughs> it was. Joking. It was um, tough starting this business, right? Like, because you know that's the uh, uh, competitive set and having those conversations with my family. My brother's my best friend, right? So, um, it, it, that that's we could be here all day uh, talking yeah. about the emotions there. Yeah, and and I agree with with Jeff uh, earlier point about you know the the climate and the the litigiousness of this country. Um, but just want to point out that the OG. Uh, lawsuit that started all this was in the great state of uh, Missouri. And there is a similar yep. one in Florida as well. So in terms of colors, I think uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a colorless issue. So uh, Nick, with all this talk about what's been happening with the NAR, with the NAR lawsuits uh, and the commissions, what do you think is going to happen next? Yeah. So somewhat controversial, but I think most people and the party line from NAR is that this is going to take years. It's going to be tied up in courts and all of these things. I believe pretty strongly that by the end of next year, commissions will be entirely unbundled in every state in America. Can you unpack what that means? Put simply, buyers, agents will be required to negotiate commission directly with their client. Okay. It'll probably be documented with the buyer broker agreement. And to be paid I by still, the seller, I, to be paid by the, the buyer. To be paid by the buyer. But I do think, I do think it'll be financeable. Right. So I, I don't think it's going to be. So yeah. that's going to be I, really I, I, interesting because what'll, what, what'll happen is, let, let's just play this out. So imagine like you live in a, in a small town, a big town, whatever, and you've got 10 super agents, right? People that, that are like, oh, I know how to find you the best house. I can negotiate. I'm, I'm the killer. And you're going to negotiate with that person and say, okay, I'm going to give you 1% of the purchase price. Now, interestingly enough, already there's misalignment because the buyer wants you to pay the highest price the buyer's broker and the seller's broker wants you to pay the highest price. So there's a, it, it, 
unless you negotiate and say, hey, listen, if the house is 2 million, you get 1%. If it's 2.5 million, you get 75 basis points. If it's 3 million, you get 50 basis, something, something like that. That's, is that what you're talking about? Where it's going to be like, you're going to have buyers, agents, that are, that are ascended, they're gonna have to work a hell of a lot harder for every commission dollar. That's correct. And so the other kind of complicated variable is you're gonna have a lot of people going to listing agents too. And how does that work, right? And so the I think the the piece to note is I think I think what will happen, okay, let, well, let's talk about how we're gonna get there. So there's mm -hmm. three roads to get there, which is why I think it'll happen next year because one of these three roads is gonna break. Number one is a DOJ steps in um, and they they break this rule. Um, and there's tons of theater and people going around it and all of this, but they, they probably drive a pretty hard line. Number two is the FTC steps in and they have that executive order from Biden in 2021 that they're still kind of looking at. Now, that'll be very dependent on the election um, if it takes that long. But the um, number three, which no one is talking about, is uh, an upswell. So in Texas, an agent team got sued. We're going to see more agent teams get sued. And no matter where you are, West Palm Beach, New York, San Francisco, if the top agent or the top agents get slapped with a million plus dollar lawsuit, people will start to freak out. And they are going to protect their own. You're going to see more buyer broker agreements. You're going to see more negotiation happening transparency going up through the roof in those conversations that agents are having with their buyers. And so I think any one of those three are going to happen. Um, I do think there will be government intervention and I think there will be upswell. So um, I think we're going to see it completely change probably before summer. That well, is, you think it's going to be before summer? Yeah. And we're operating as such. Um, and so that's, that's all my team is thinking about is how do we assume this happens? What do you build? And, you know, we're it, fortunate to it, have the team to do that. It's so interesting because there are, you're not the first person to say that to me. And I feel like there are, and there are some larger brokerage houses that I'm familiar with that have that same opinion, but I'm, no one's voicing it. And I think for good reason, because that introduces an element of uncertainty. Oh, the best. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it really does change, but it, but it's also, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this on a public forum, but I think in the long run, it's probably the better way of operating for almost everybody in the business and even the business itself, because there are so many brokers who probably shouldn't be brokers. And this will probably shake out quite a few of those people. Man, yeah, well, probably half, right? But so like, I, I think, so again, the identity of a traditional real estate agent isn't great. I, I think we get on the other side of this and identity is better because there's more transparency. Yes, fees will be less, right? probably 30 to 40% less, right? Quite a bit, but you're going to have this situation where- Well, maybe, everyone... maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. No, because there might be super brokers that people want to work with and, and the super brokers are going to say, look, you want me and my negotiating prowess and my ability to win deals, you're going to have to pay me. And it, it's, it's, I, I think it's going to be like anything else. It'll be a market. I think for the, I think for the, for the, for the, the mean, I certainly agree with you. That will probably precipitously drop. That's oh, yeah. For the, top the teams, thing. I don't know if they're, I don't know if top teams earnings go down. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think we may see a situation where maybe in the luxury market in, in specific region, there will be a, a case where not winner takes all, but winner takes most. And why? Because they're better. They have the most experience, and and uh, and and people maybe don't need the ones that are aren't the best ones or can justify that markup, as as you're saying. Yeah, potentially. Nick, collaboration superpower. If you could choose one person 
historic or living to do a partnership with, who would it be? I mean, I don't even, instantly, Winston Churchill. He is Winston like, Churchill. I mean, I, I watch and consume everything I can on, on, on Sir Winston Churchill. I just think his approach to life. Uh, well, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think I, I can tell you something pretty cool, which yeah. is that I was in London uh, last winter and with my wife and we got to go to the Winston Churchill rooms, but they they let us go into, we had a ridiculous hookup and they, have you ever been there? Uh-uh, I've not. Okay, so we walked through, not the, no. so, that, so the tours, they walk through and all the rooms are glassed, you know, they're, they're completely covered in glass, in like, in, in bulletproof glass, et cetera, because they're historical, they're the actual rooms. We got to go into the rooms. We got to sit oh, cool. on Churchill's seat, like where he smoked his cigars, and it was it was pretty awesome. That was uh, that was that was that was one for the record books for for, for me. I I agree. That's a, that's a great pick, Edward. I don't think anyone's ever picked him, and especially it it, it shows the mindset. Nick's ready to go to war. He's ready to go to war. <laughs> I just imagine our collaboration is him yelling at me, which I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> no, and a lot of smoke in the room and a lot of whiskey, which I don't know if I'm, I don't know, I'm getting old for, for that much whiskey, but but hey. it would be, it would be, it would be fun. For those who are not familiar with Sir Winston Churchill, twice Prime Minister of Britain, and I mean, talk about people who rise to the occasion. Uh, yes, he was a great leader. He was around for many years in politics before he became Prime Minister, but he also got, you know, to deal with uh, World War Two and the Holocaust and the insane times that they were living while also being most of the time not sober which uh makes it all the more <laughs> impressive he lost every election until he won prime minister which is crazy right talk about perseverance nick working listeners from tangent learn more about alto and connect with you uh yeah uh, you can go to alto.com double a l t o uh, we're named after the architect alvar alto and uh if you uh if you want to get in contact with me it's just nick and alto um, is my email address. Nick Narodny, founder and CEO at Alto. Thank you so much for coming to Tangent today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Good conversation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate and review Tangent and share the show with a friend. This episode is produced by me, Edward Cohen. Thanks for listening to Tangent and remember, collaboration is our superpower. So stay curious and always be learning.